Welcome to the Pup Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Alford, coming to you today from U-District Physical Therapy, where I have the privilege of sitting down with Brian Cronin, graduate in uh, 1994 from prep, played free safety uh, for football, and then uh, that Cronin name has been in and around prep for, it seems like, its inception. So, Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Nate. Yeah, glad to be here and uh, excited about what you're doing here for prep and uh, just glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, recent news that we just had, um, and after doing a little bit of research for uh, you, I noticed you played for Don Anderson, and he just passed away. Was it yesterday? Did I read that right? I think it was uh, on Wednesday, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So for Coach Anderson, I mean, I, I never met the guy. I mean, I, he was never kind of in and around the area at all um, when I was at prep, but, you know, if you could – Describe a little bit of Coach Anderson and kind of what he meant to you while you were there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I had the I had the privilege of you know growing up as a little kid, really going to every single prep game. I can remember just being, you know, maybe five years old and going to every single game with my dad. And you know, Don Anderson was just such an iconic uh, high school coach uh, figure here in Spokane, uh, the state of Washington for sure. Uh, so when I got to prep. He, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was just kind of that legendary coach that you really wanted to play for. And once I got to know him, you know, he wasn't a rah-rah guy. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't really a players type coach, you know, but man, was he, uh, he, he taught you the fundamentals, the X's and O's. He was a really, had a really sharp football mind. And uh, he was the one that really introduced me to uh, film study he really, he really, um, you know, taught me about X's and O's versus just playing, and uh, you know, he was one of those that kind of took me under his wing a little bit, and I really gained a lot of confidence not only in in football, but it carried into the other sports, but then also into the school too, and acclimating into high school, and and uh, so I had a great relationship with him. Um, you know, I would I'd say one of the biggest things that he just he really. He really brought out the confidence side in me uh, just by taking you know me under his wing, having a lot of confidence, and then he just loved teaching the game of football. Um, that uh, you know now it's kind of fun. This year I got to I got to start coaching a little bit. Uh, you know back in the day I did uh, coach a little bit at prep. I was mm-hmm. the secondary coach uh, after college, but then I started coaching just kids flag football. I thought I saw and that right yeah. on uh, St. Al's, right? Yeah, my kids go to St. Al's, and so I taught the uh, or I coached the third and fourth grade flag football parochial team, and you know just starting some basic X's and O's and the way he taught it, the way he drew it up, the way he would explain. But then he. He, he really pioneered this idea of there was, you know, you have the offense and you have the defense. And most high schools, you know, platoon everybody. Everybody's playing both ways. And so you only have maybe 15 guys playing uh, where you might have 50 people sitting on the sidelines. And he really pioneered where you got an offensive unit, defensive unit, and, you you know, you're spending 100% of your practice time working on offense if you're an offensive player versus high school, a lot of high school teams where they're, you know, 50% of the week you're practicing offense 50 percent you're practicing defense and then you know then you see a lot of fatigue throughout the game and being on the sidelines the last 15 years as a physical therapist I've really noticed and maybe I didn't notice it when I was playing but really watching you know teams that really struggle I think in the fourth quarter the later part of games because those poor kids are playing both ways and I and I and I really liked how Gonzaga prep over the years has not really done that. They really don't, you know, play people both ways. Um, and I think they're better in the fourth quarter. But then it also allows people to feel more a part of the team and more kids get to play and more kids get to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think it creates better team cultures uh, versus just having your top 11 to 15 players play, and that's it. So would you say that kind of prep kind of kept that from the Anderson days, I mean, like that's when they started kind of having guys go one way, yeah. play offense or defense solely, and then did that just kind of continue after that? Yeah, I, I would I would think that that tradition started definitely with him. I think if you look at Coach Carson and now Coach McKenna and a lot of those coaches that uh, were kind of underneath that coaching tree, uh, that precedent was set there, a lot of success with it, and uh, carries in today because of what Coach Anderson did. So would you say Coach Anderson was more of kind of, since you said he wasn't like a real rah-rah guy, but I mean, 
did he have a lot of individual relationships with kind of different players on the team to where, like, for you, would Coach Anderson be the kind of person that if you saw, you know, before he did pass, kind of in and around the school, you'd be able to kind of just pick up right where you guys left off as far oh, as conversation Oh, yeah, goes? no question. He had he really sharp, you know, sharp mind where I'd see him years later and he would still use the same nicknames that he would have for people or my, for myself. Uh, he was really sharp. He could remember, you know, really could remember – plays and and uh, games and really specific things that even as a player you're like I don't even remember that um, <laughs> but he definitely had a knack for that and uh, you know he really cared about uh, his players um, and you could just you, you could really tell but he, but he wasn't that rah-rah guy he wasn't you know he wasn't uh, you know the big cheerleading type coach um, you could just tell that he knew football and you just respected the heck out of him when you played for him yeah so a guy with that kind of tact, that uh, ability to recall. I guess I want to see if I can test your recall All right. a little bit here. Now, you guys had a number of guys on your team, 93 year, even though graduated in 94, yep, the 1993 yep. season, sure. that were uh, first team all league players. Yeah. Obviously, Coach Anderson, I'll give you that. He was the uh, coach of the year kind of right. thing for the GSL. Yeah. Um, you, you obviously were a first team all defensive player. Can you give me some of the other names that were on that uh, first team defense or offense? Sure. Prep? Well, it's, I mean, it certainly starts. Uh, Steve Gleason had the had the great fortune of playing with him, being a teammate of him. He was a junior. He was, I believe, defensive MVP of the league. Yeah. Um, and then right next to him was Jim Salters, was the other linebacker, so he'd be a first teamer. Then you had um, on the defensive line, Jim McLaughlin was a first teamer, um, and then. Um, on offense, definitely fullback Joe Pence was a uh, yep. he was a first teamer. Um, I believe Gavin Doré was a yep. first teamer, and uh, unfortunately for him, in in our in our uh, second to last playoff game in the quarterfinals, actually one of the best football games I'd ever played in when we went down to Kamiakin and beat them three to zero, and they were ranked in the top. 15 in the country in the USA today and we went down there and beat them he had a really bad knee injury where oh. he where his pretty much his football playing days were over but he was a heck of a football player and pretty fun is that his kids go to all saints and his he coached the uh third and fourth grade flag football so how fun is that um, and then we went to college together we were in the same fraternity together but then we got to uh this fall coach against each other and just had a lot of fun yeah. just a lot of mutual respect and um, so, uh, he was another first teamer. Um, there's, I think there's one more that you're missing on offense. One more on offense. Uh, you know, was Chris Van Leuven. Yep. Chris Van Leuven. That's right. Offensive lineman. Yep. Sure. Uh, wow. he was a guard. Um, uh, yeah, he was, he was definitely an anchor to that, uh, another person on that line. And then there was a whole host of second teamers and then even some honorable mentions. So that team was loaded. Holy smokes. Yeah. You're, you're blowing me away. First, we played the homage and compliment to Coach Anderson about yeah. his recall, and your recall's right there, man. That's great. Yeah, it was almost 25 years ago. <laughs> Not quite 25, but that's a, that's, a, that's a way. Yeah, that was a while ago. So for, uh, you know, since you've now dated it, um, do they, they do a 20-year reunion? Or is it yeah, just so 10, you, yeah, 30? And... Yeah, 10, uh, 20. You have a 25, 30. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. We'd, is is we'll, 25 past or is it coming up? We had 25 was just uh, this last summer. Okay. Yep. yep. And were you able to attend? I, I did not attend that. I did. I attended the 20. Okay. I did not attend the 25. Okay. Yep. And I've heard great things about those reunions that just having a span of all years kind of come together, they said it is amazing. Oh, it really is. I mean, it's an epitome of the, the Gonzaga Prep experience, the community. You know, you talk to... Uh, you know, other peers of my age that went to different high schools and their reunions. And um, I, I this it's not even in the same ballpark as the, the attendance, the amount of people that come back, the people in my class at the 20 year that were traveling from all over the country or even outside of the country for it. Um, yeah, there's uh, that's a pretty special um, part of Gonzaga in the in the alumni community and the support that they get in the in the community and outside of this community it's a it's a pretty special part to be a you know to be a part of yeah so for you you know I touched on when I introduced you that the Cronin name the lineage is pretty deep uh, for your immediate family 
Um, your brothers, sisters, what number were you within your own family? Yeah, so I was the oldest of four. Okay. Uh, my sister, uh, Bridget, uh, she would have graduated two years behind in 96, and then a brother, Kevin, in 98, uh, and then my youngest brother, Matthew, in 2000. Okay. Um, so we had four of us go through there, and then, um, you know, my dad is the, he's the oldest of six, um, and uh all the all the boys went to Gonzaga Prep. The the girls at that time, uh, you know, were they weren't uh, it was wasn't co-ed, and so oh, they were right. holy names um, or Mary Clift. But they all married people that went to prep. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Mannix family, the Masteller family, the um, um, uh, the Schmidt family. Um, so huge, you know, lots of lots of connections to prep, um, and that's just on one side of the family. Then the other side, a lot of a lot of prep people too. So yeah. it goes all the way back to my grandfather that uh, that went there, um, played there, um, um, and then uh, you know went on to uh, Gonzaga University. So a lot of them have kind of gone that same path. Um, so yeah, it goes back a long ways. It was, you, you know, you hear about today where people are like, well, where are you going to send your kid? Well, we'll, we'll kind of figure out where they want to go. Yeah. I'm not sure that was ever, I mean, it was never <laughs> even a, a question, I guess, growing up is that, I mean, you just knew from day one that eventually you're going to go to Gonzaga prep. Um, yeah. just, that's just, that was just part of the deal. Now with that experience and how many of your family members have gone through prep and been, you know, actively involved uh, within prep too. Did that influence, you know, and we'll get back to your football career in a moment, but I just was curious on this. Did that influence you deciding to kind of lay roots and move back to Spokane, you know, start working again here in Spokane and kind of have that, you know, ability to raise a family right back here because that's what you grew up with? No, absolutely. I I mean, I knew that I wanted to uh, be in Spokane, Washington. I, I mean, first of all, I love, I love the area. I love the people, but the, the communities here um, are just great for raising families and then also to do business. Uh, when I first graduated from, um, after UW, I went to Eastern uh, Physical Therapy School there, and then I went back to the Seattle area for a couple of years and, and learned more about the business and the different business models and how to do it. And, but I knew, I knew that whole time I, I really want to go back to Spokane. And what really helped pave the wave is one of the first questions that I had is, can I, how can I be involved with Gonzaga Prep on the physical therapy strength and conditioning side? Can we, can we do that? And actually, one of the first calls that I made was I made to the school, Gonzaga Prep. Mike Artie at the time was the athletic director. Okay. This is before Paul Manfred took over. That um, I, I talked to him. And, and he, he, he really said, well, we have, we have another company that's doing it or thinking about doing it, but we would really like you to, to do that. The second person I called was um, uh, Tina Valentine, who was that's right. the, the athletic trainer, yeah. the student athletic trainer at Gonzaga Prep uh, when I played. Um, she's the one that uh, she, she did all the ankle taping and everything for me playing football and basketball. And, um, and she was, uh, she just finished her master's, um, degree. And one of this first, one of the other first person that I called was her and said, Hey, I, we're starting this new company. Uh, would you think about coming back to Spokane? And I, I think before I even kind of got all those sentences out and she was like, yep, I'm coming, I'm <laughs> signing me up. And so, um, that was a great start to our business 15 years ago was to be affiliated with Gonzaga prep. Um, to start a business, um, you know, we had to find the real estate, we had to find the financing. Mm-hmm. And of course, where did we go? We went to the, to the Gonzaga prep community. So the, um, our realtor, uh, the bird family, Doug, uh, oh, Matt wow. bird, yeah. um, they helped us find our first location. Uh, the financing part, the Tomberry family, Frank Tomberry, uh, at that time was farmers and merchants now with banner who we continue to bank with today. Um, you know, they, they all, they believed in us, took a chance on us, um, found us the place, found, you know, found us the financing to do that. Um, our insurance agent that, per, that still writes our uh, insurance today is the Hans, from the Hanson family, Jeff Hanson, uh, very successful athletic career at, uh, at Gonzaga Prep, then went on to play at Stanford, football, basketball player at, at Gonzaga Prep. He's class of 91. Um, so there was a really strong Gonzaga Prep connection from day one. 
um, you know, that will that helped us on the business logistics side to open our doors. There's a lot of things that need to happen to open the doors, and uh, I really believe that that prep community um, helped open those doors for us. Yeah. Now, uh, when you do see people in the prep community, how many will come up and talk to you about that 93 season? You know, I think uh, probably early on um, it, it was definitely talked about. I've had some some fantastic patients over the years. I've, um, I've had a couple people that, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that just watch high school football. Maybe they don't even have a connection to Gonzaga prep or, um, or maybe they had a, a, a sibling or a brother or family member that played years and years ago, but they go to literally every single game and they just sit there and watch cause they love high school football. And I've had patients that, uh, have, once once they kind of put the connection oh yeah i remember you you played on this 93 team you were number 12 right yeah i was number 12 and i've had i've had a couple of them tell me about different plays that i was involved with that i <laughs> i'm like who I, I even i don't remember that and so it's amazing um how people have you know, will come up to you and still still remember that um and we're just talking you know high school local sports and so mm-hmm. um but it's but it's cool to be a part of uh you know from the playing, watching it as a kid, then getting a chance to play, and then still getting to be involved with it today is uh, pretty special. Yeah. So, and running through your guys' this season, because I was able to actually pull up uh, your wins and losses, which was only one loss on that season in '93. I, uh, the very first game against CV. Yeah. I, okay. I I thought high school was always uh, college overtime. Yeah. But apparently not because CV, right. do you remember the score? Yeah, it was yeah, it was seven seven, sure. What so what what overtime existed back in ninety three? They they didn't have overtimes unless it was playoffs. Oh. Um and um so there was yeah, there was no overtimes back then. And I still I still remember um I still definitely remember that, that game. I remember after that game that our team, you know, you're getting on that bus and you could hear a pin drop. And uh, it was it was it was absolutely like um, we had lost. Um, uh, but uh, I remember people talking like, "Okay, we got a, we got an opportunity here. We got a break here. We can regroup. We can get better." Um, you know, obviously the season is not over. There's so much more to go. Um, but uh, you know, after that, just kept getting better and better. We had a really really good defense, um, and then the offense just kept getting better and better and better. And uh, and just had a great season and, you know, very memorable. And, you know, lots of people I'm still friends with today. And I see you around town for sure. And Yeah. And can, you, uh, part of. can you recall the, the player, the, the standout player for CV? You remember who they're – this guy was on first team offense and defense. He yeah. was a junior. Yeah. It was, it was his, uh, Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, Ian, Ian Hughes. Ian Hughes, yes. Yeah, Ian Hughes. I do remember him. He and uh, um, yeah, he was. Uh, I can't remember what he played. Was he a wide receiver on offense? I don't know. Or, it, it didn't. It didn't have. He definitely it. was a. He was a defensive back. Uh, yeah, real good player. Yeah, they were. They were. They were loaded with some really good players. I remember uh, uh, a lot of good basketball players that were playing okay. f- football at that time. I remember Paul Allen was their quarterback, like one of those big six 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 five guys. All uh, right. And ended up one being their one of their good basketball players too. Wow. Um, so we're probably lucky that we played them first. Early. Yeah, early. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then Lewis and Clark, another win. You remember that score? Boy, I don't remember that score. I do remember uh, being tight. I do remember I do remember having an interception. They're going in to drive. I remember okay. having an interception in the in in the when they're about to score and I intercepted a pass in the end zone. Um I do remember Jim McLaughlin picking up a fumble, and I was—I remember running with him, escorting him, and I think he went fifty-something <laughs> yards as That's a defensive, awesome. as a defensive lineman, and uh, returned a kind of a scoop and score. Uh, I think it was like twenty-something to ten, maybe. Nice 20, job, 21 ten. Yeah. Uh, then you come back the next week, you blow out North Central, twenty-seven yeah. zero. Uh, University, same kind of thing, handled them pretty well, thirty-five twelve. Then you played Ferris. Yes. You remember that Ferris game? Yeah, I do remember that Ferris game, and I remember we only won by a couple points. Yeah, like 19, 19, 17. 17, sure. Yeah. yeah, they were, 
and they they were uh, they had a really good team too. Um, a good running back Justin Kennedy, really fast. Um, good quarterback Joe Miller, um, and uh, yeah, we were uh, very lucky to win that game. Yeah, uh, some of the notable names I think I had here was Randy Jones. Yeah, it was Randy Jones. Now I think he at in that game kicked a fifty-something yarder against us. Oh, went on to kick for the University of Washington, um, and uh, had a gigantic leg. And uh, up until whenever that um, kicker from Central Valley broke that record, oh, yeah. uh, I think I think in the record books you would see Randy Jones is fifty six or seven yards it was from that game it was it from that game oh i don't know i was just asking yeah. i was thinking i can't you. i know he kicked a long one against yeah. us um but uh he had a really really strong leg wow yeah. uh and then i think some of the other names shad nicholas is that yeah or yeah, nicholas sh- or yeah, shad nicholas? Shad. yeah. Uh, and, th- and then a uh, um uh a dorsch kevin dorsch uh, he, I, uh, I ended up playing in the east west all-star game okay and kevin was a teammate of mine Oh, um, all right, all right. Yeah, so we had uh, we had three or four. Uh, we say we had four GSL players play on that um, team that summer, and uh, Kevin was on that team. Now, so you beat both Elsie and Ferris. If you were to probably ask the prep kid today, they'd say that Ferris is the bigger rival for prep, or they, you know, yeah, they l- kind of circle more of that game on their calendar than they do the LC game. Yeah. When in your guys' season, what meant more, beating Ferris or beating LC? I probably would have to say LC, um, um, but I, if I remember right back then, it was a lot of a lot of it was about Mead. Um, oh, okay. But, uh, but if I had to pick one of the two, it would be LC. And then if you flip over to basketball, it was flipped. It was definitely Ferris. Okay. Who ended up winning the the state championship uh, my senior year? Oh, uh, was Ferris. Okay. Yeah. I think that was kind of similar situation when I was in high school. Uh, so you beat Ferris, and you go on to beat Rogers. And then you get to that Mead game. So yeah. you said that that Mead game meant a lot. Do you remember the score of that game? Yeah, I. You guys. I it, think I think we did. We shut them out. You shut them yeah, out. Yeah, we shut them out. I do remember that. I remember the students rushing the field, um, but I remember we uh, and they had a they had a good team, big running back. Griffin Garski was the uh, quarterback who went on and played uh, for Eastern, um, and we we shut them out. Um, I don't remember twenty. I don't know if it was twenty-eight or twenty-four-zero. Twenty-four-zero. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Ray Hattenberg and then yeah, uh, Ray Hattenberg. Uh, let's see, Seth Carnodal. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that last yeah, name okay. right. But he was a defensive player. But uh, yeah, so I, that's interesting that that Mead game meant so much. It had it been a previous loss like last year or the the year before you guys played him in that. Well, I year? just think you know the the rivalry with with Mead in the '80s and early '90s was really strong with okay. with, with Gonzaga Prep, and um, and so that's probably that's probably where it came from. Definitely in the '80s, there were some big there were some big games with them. Okay, uh, so you guys were GSL champs that year. Uh, finished it. What? Uh, besides the tie yeah. to CV, well, you didn't. You're not talking about the Shadow Park game. That okay, we I'm sorry. All right, I, I scored a touchdown <laughs> in that game. <laughs> there we go. On a That's fumble. Yeah. <laughs> so on what? Pick a, six? No, it was. Uh, I think it was a, a muffed punt, like a bad snap okay. on a punt, and I recovered it in the end zone. Golly, it seems like you know. It doesn't matter how far you go back in preps history for football, defense and special teams run practices. You know. When you feel like you, you see a good prep game, typically you see a good defensive and special teams performance. I mean, they're coming through with a block PAT, block field goal kick, you know, a, a, yeah. a big block on a punt. Um, golly, it seems like just some things don't change. Yeah, the the emphasis on block punts. I've never seen, and I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not watching every other team, but mm-hmm. there's no way in the last 30 years anybody's blocked more punts than Gonzaga Prep. I mean, it's just... I mean, they they practice it. They take pride in it. They're aggressive with it. It's part of the game, you know. And and I th- well, it kind of goes back to where I think a lot of teams are platooning people, and you're not you're not spending enough time on certain things. And um, you know, maybe the emphasis on special teams is just not there. But uh, that uh, the return game and the um, and the you know in the blocking punts, it's strong for sure. Yeah. Uh, so again, you guys finish near perfect 
Uh, you go on the road, or did you play at home against the Kennewick? first? The first game was home against Kennewick. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, kind of a snowy game, and oh, really? I just remember Joe Pence just going off and having the, the game of his life. And I, two hundred and fifty something yards rushing, I think, and uh, I don't know how many touchdowns he scored, but wow, yeah, he had a heck of a game. Yeah, no, final there was twenty five seven. And then you touched on it at the beginning of the podcast, the Kamiakin game. Yeah. I mean, what what went into that prep week, knowing how good they had been talked about being, you know, what was your guys' main strategy? Was there a player that you tried to eliminate? Yeah, I, I remember watching. I do I do remember watching film on them and like, man, there, there's just a different level to them, bigger, stronger, faster. But I, I remember uh, – H.T. Higgins really scouting the heck out of that. And we knew, and I remember this because the football coach for Kamiakin at that time came up to me uh, not only after that football game, but at the when we played them in basketball, we played them in the playoffs, the coach came right up to me and said, that was one of the best high school games he'd ever seen and been a part of, And but you guys knew every play we were going to run. And I wow. specifically remember... HT going over these different formations um, and different pass plays that they had, and uh, we we really just we knew what they were going to run. We could tell by their formation, and uh, that was one of the fun things that I loved about you know playing uh, playing safety is that you know being able to kind of use your vision and film study, and I really could really predict and kind of knew what a lot of offensive plays were going to be. And really being able to vocalize that to people, and and uh, and I, I just remember that coach coming up to us. He was like, you, "It's like you guys knew the plays that we were going to run," and that was kind of that's a pretty cool compliment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, doing your job—that's kind of yeah. cool when you know eleven guys get on the field and yeah. do just exactly that. Um, so after you guys won that game, though, <laughs> you know, sometimes you see with with certain teams, whether it be college or the pros. They put heavy emphasis on a game, kind of make yeah. it their Super Bowl, and yeah. then it's tough to kind of continue that season. So then that next week, when you guys, what was it, the semis then, or was yeah, it the so that would have been the semis, and it, yeah. So I, I remember we had a really rough week of practice. It was absolutely frigid, and um, we went out to Albee to practice. They would turn on half the lights, but it was one of those weeks where it was like. 25 degrees and it was super cold um and we just i i think that winning such a big game the week before that was very physical um it was very emotional very draining um not trying to make any excuses or anything like that but it was hard for us to bounce back and then to bounce back into really bad weather and then when we got to the game it was just really bad it was icy it was just cold um, we, we just, we just could not get going because we ran into a really good team. this Inglemore team, yeah. um, uh, who, who ended up beating us. Um, um, but we just, we just had not had that week of practice preparation like we had the previous couple of weeks where we played really well in those two playoff games prior to that. Yeah. Uh, do you think if you would have beaten Inglemore in that, that game that you guys could have won? Cause do you remember who won it all that year? Well, then Inglemore went on to lose. They lost to Tumwater at the okay. time. And um, I remember then playing in the East-West game. And we actually on my team were a number of Tumwater players on our team. And they were really good. And okay. it was – so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't even remember watching that game. But uh, uh, I do know that Inglemore was very good. And, uh, and so – if we would have beaten Inglemore, I'm not sure if we would have had it. But it would have been, you know, we we had we had goals and we had ideas of going. That was back, you know, that was back when the Kingdom was around. Yeah, you probably don't even remember that. No, I no, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> so that's when the old that was in the Kingdom, and I used to think that was the coolest place ever. And then of course they make these two new stadiums, and it's so much nicer and better. But man, to go to that Kingdom and play inside that dome. Because as a kid growing up, I went, you know, they went in uh, 86, 82, 86, 87, you know, and uh, uh, won two of those. Um, you know, that was just that was just kind of the culture. It was like, yeah, that's that's what we do. That's what we're playing for. Yeah. Um, we're going we're going to go play in the kingdom. So, yeah, no, that that is a bummer to kind of look at your guys's success you had in that year. 
and then just hearing more about that Kamiakin game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's still one that probably you could look back and say, I mean, like one of perhaps more successful years. And then as far as talent wise, pretty impressive from that angle too. Yeah. Um, I know Steve Gleason was a junior when you were a senior, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I can remember obviously playing with Bishop uh, yeah. Sankey when he was at You're prep right. same year and knowing, okay, that, that kid's special. Like just yeah. the way that he can cut and accelerate, like just did no one can compete with that. Yeah. He's probably going pretty far. Did you see that in Steve when you guys were, you know, seniors, kind of even though he was a junior? Oh, yeah, for sure. There was uh, there was an extra gear. Um, there was a different mentality that he displayed um, that really was really – you just didn't see at the high school level. Um, his ability to, uh, you know, to <laughs> run through people, hit through people, um, accelerate through holes. I mean, he – there was just something different, absolutely different about him. And, um, you know, then you saw him going to college and you're like, man, he's, he's so undersized, but just had the biggest heart and he just played so hard and he's, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, just made himself a name as just, you know, as that, you know, the captain guy, the guy that you wanted to be kind of behind and, Mm -hmm. uh, um, impressive, impressive to, to play with and watch and then follow over his career for sure. Yeah. No, did you, keep in touch with Steve when, as he kind of went into college and then, you know, eventually into yeah, the Yeah, you know, his, if you go right outside the door here, his jersey's right there on the wall. Actually, Bishop Sankey's, his, oh, yeah? his Tennessee Titans one is right there. Okay. Uh, so Steve, yeah, Steve would, uh, when he would come back to Spokane, um, when we first started U District, would come and train uh, uh, with myself. And so I would work out with him. And then he came uh, occasionally when Gonzaga Prep, uh, the football team, would come on Thursdays. They would come into our facility and and he would do the workout with them, and then he would talk to the team. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, he uh, – and it's amazing to see what he's doing now uh, with with his life and, and, and the good that he's doing in, in mm-hmm. not only his community but in the country and the world and uh, the difference that he is making. Um, not surprising whatsoever that uh, what he's what he's capable of doing and what he's doing yeah. uh, does not surprise me one bit. The interesting story about Steve was the fact that uh, my senior year, I remember our summer uh, camp, and he came back to speak to the team, to mm-hmm. kind of be around the team for, I think it was like a three or four day stretch that he was there, you know, if not all week, and running around with us on the field. And it was it was cool because, you know, I only kind of had heard of oh, the Steve Gleason guy. You know, I'd seen the video of him blocking the punt in New Orleans, and yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool to have an NFL guy come back and, yeah. you know, be around us and speak to us and, you know, see his old, you know, highlight films and things of that sort. And then what was so weird and to kind of learn more about the ALS uh, disease process is to find out, oh, yeah, he had been diagnosed. And then just seeing him four months later when the news yep. came out, it was like, but that guy was like just running around on the field with us. Yeah. Like he looked fine. Nothing yeah. wrong with him. And then just to find out, you know, that soon thereafter, yeah, he's not going to walk again kind of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, he's having to use cane, walker. It's just Yeah, wow. it, it really is a, just an awful, awful disease. And, and that's why it makes it such, uh, so, so, you know, so incredible what he has been able to do since that diagnosis and, and the good that he has brought to it and the, uh, and the fundraising and the research and, and the potential for a cure someday. Um, you know, it, obviously it's so unfortunate he's had to go through it, but it's just amazing to watch his spirit and watch his journey go through it and the, and the good that he's doing with it. Now, you would never say this if from the, you know, you want to try and build the correct context, but there are some people that would probably not be able to handle something like that. And would you kind of, would you have seen in Steve and when you were around him at prep that he probably was built and strong enough to handle something like ALS and be able to respond in a way in which, hey, I'm not going to let this end me. I'm going to build a foundation. You know, I'm going to try and set up my family to be successful even after I'm gone kind of thing. Did that come at all as a shock to you that it would, you know, that it was within Steve to kind of have that mentality of not, not to be defeated? You know, not surprising what whatsoever. I, I think that 99.99% of everybody out there 
with that diagnosis they're they're really they're, they get to a point where they're like okay this I, I i just can't go on anymore i don't want to go on anymore and to see steve make that decision i do want to go on and i want to be on a ventilator um, because there's still a lot more life that i want to experience uh, there's a there's more difference that i want to make no surprise whatsoever um in that that's and that's and that's his spirit and that was you know what kind of separated him from a lot of people uh, growing up in uh, high school, certainly in college, and then have the ability to play it as a professional athlete, there has to be some of that, and uh, that is that does not surprise me whatsoever. Now, you know, it's it's easy to kind of pick out a name like Steve Gleason and you know the success he had beyond high school um, because we can actually see it. But for you, I mean, it's not like I mean you being a first team All GSL player. Did you kind of contemplate playing at the next level, or was it the kind of thing that you knew? Hey, I had a good run; it was fun, but I'm kind of ready to move on. There, there was there was a little period where I was like, man, do I would I like to try to play at the college level? Um, I I did um, have an opportunity to be an invited walk on at the University of Montana, um, yeah, but I was really strongly leaning towards medicine, and at the time I was thinking, do I want to try to go to med school? And I knew uh, the type of student that I was that uh, I have to, you know, I have to put a lot of work and a lot of time into it. Um, and that's that's where my success came from, that I just would not have that being a collegiate athlete and very glad that I did not choose that route. Um, I'm very, very fortunate that I went the route that I did. I, I, I absolutely love playing intramural uh, sports in, in college. And I, did, I had just as much fun doing that as I did in high school. I had friends that were collegiate athletes, um, you know, and we see a lot of it where there, there's burnout. There is, mm. uh, by the end, there can be, I don't know if you want to say a resentment, but they're just like, ah, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm done doing this. Uh, you know, when you grow up playing sports and all of a sudden it becomes a job, it becomes a year-round type deal, uh, it's it's fatiguing uh, mentally and physically. Yeah. Now, I know that uh, you have some relationship with Gonzaga I mean they're right across the way from your uh, practice here in Spokane now I mean it, I'm not saying that guys that uh, will come in or work out or stuff like that will seek out advice but um, you know what do you see in those guys that keeps them going kind of thing that it's not just a job I mean because I know few runs a good program it's intense I mean the, we we talked before we started recording about the success GU's had in the past eight years, basically the lifetime of your kids, yeah, and how they've been, you know, up there and you know more notability and and uh, you know being recognized across the country as not the small Cinderella school. It's like GU, no, they're a force. Yeah. So I mean, like, are, do you see that in those guys ever, where it's like, hey man, are you sure you want to, you know, kind of keep on going with this thing, or is it, no, what else, what do I got to do? I want to go to the NBA. Well, you know, I think Gonzaga has had some of those players over the year, but for the most part, um, the the absolute incredible community support, uh, the facilities that are over there, the consistency in the coaching staff, the administration, the the Mike Roth athletic director, you just you don't see it at any other collegiate university, or nobody's ever going to be able, in my opinion, ever be able to try to replicate what Gonzaga has transformed and. All of that, I think, has created this experience. Um, you know, here at U District, we talk about the patient experience. You know, over there, they talk about the student experience, mm-hmm. the student athlete. You know, I work with I work with a lot of the student athletes um, on the rehab side. I work with just a lot of the general student population over there, and it's I always go out of my way to ask them. So, you know, what do you think about Gonzaga? I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm just waiting for the day somebody says, "Ah, it's okay." <laughs> I don't get that. I get I literally get everybody say. Uh, they don't even say I like it. They all say I love it. I really love it over there. And so there is a there's a formula over there that they've created this experience that people want to be a part of. And I don't think you see that at all universities. Mm-hmm. I don't think you see that in um, at different uh, all the different sports teams. Um, but they have there's a winning chemistry. Uh, there is a um, there's a culture there yeah. that um, that attracts the right people. You know, how come, you know, how come Gonzaga just attracts all these great people? I mean, we're not talking players. We're just talking people. And, yeah. and how come these players, when they're done, either they graduate or they get a chance to play professionally overseas or in the NBA, how come they all move back to Spokane? 
you know they they love the community they love the experience they they, they love being a part of that that culture it's pretty special and would you say would you say uh prep is on equal playing field with that or would you say that prep has a, a little bit deeper than GU? I mean, because you've been actively involved kind of in both. I think that'd be a fair question for you. I think, I think it's, it's, it is similar. Um, one of the differences I think with Gonzaga prep is you have, you have the generations of families that are rooted here in Spokane that have gone through it. So a lot of these Gonzaga people, uh, you know, they're coming from California or they're coming from Colorado or from outside of Washington, certainly outside of Spokane that end up being here, but they aren't here because you know, all their family went to Gonzaga or all their family uh, lives here in Spokane. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Gonzaga Prep really enjoys the um, the family tradition side of it, yeah. where there are a lot of families that uh, have sent generation after generation through that place and then continue to support it. Uh, they're back as uh, teachers. Uh, they're there as administrators. They're there as coaches, uh, volunteers, um, and, and supporters. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's great to be a part of. So one of the things I think that you could probably speak to to a lot of kids that still go to prep and if they are listening type of thing, to what it's like to enter prep already having a name or you're recognized, you're known. It's not the kind of thing that you're entering this new environment of it'll be a new experience. No one really knows me. I mean, you walk through the doors and people are like, Oh, that's Brian Cronin. Yeah, I've been yeah. seeing him run around here for years or the type of thing of I know his family's name. What's that like to enter a process that's supposed to be kind of a new chapter of your life yeah. to have one that's there's already kind of a preconceived idea of, you know, oh, he's a Cronin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, life transitions are tough. I mean, going uh, to all the different levels from high school, going to college, say, to getting your first job, to getting married. I mean, life is full of tough transitions and um you know i I think for me personally is is having people that familiar with you your situation um it helps with your confidence um it helps ease that transition um so that you're that you can really you can really get into thriving versus surviving you know Mm -hmm. when you're just like man i i'm so unsure about everything i'm in survival mode but boy when i can settle in and then really start to thrive uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that, I think, man, if you can do that in life, wherever you're going or whatever occupation you get into, if you can be, if you're in that, in that thriving mode versus surviving, life is pretty good. And I think that that's a good point because you flipped it basically into a positive and that's what I want kids to hear. I want yeah. people to understand that just because of the fact that you may have an expectation of, Hey, you've had good family members that have come here before you type of thing. There's a certain level of expectation I have for you because of that. Um, but that's also a little bit to an advantage where you can immediately feel like I've got a good relationship with this teacher or this coach, and I'm going to be friendly with them from the very beginning or realize from the very beginning they're an advocate for me. They won't want me to do the best possible here, and they want nothing more than that. It's not like they have a vendetta against me. And so that's what I like kind of hearing from your standpoint of, entering and just being able to thrive in that environment because use you know what you have to your advantage rather than look at it as something that's it's going to inhibit me yeah great i'm going to have to overcome this kind of thing it's like no this is this could be an awesome positive as long as i see it that way and i carry it that way kind of thing right so very cool no i so for the the prep landscape uh just as far as teachers go i'm kind of curious for how many were there when I was still there. So I graduated in 2011. Was Cooter there when you were there? Oh, absolutely. Okay. There, there were teachers that were there when my dad was there. My dad graduated in 1970, and I came in, you know, and, and graduated in, in 1994. And um, chemistry teacher, uh, you know, Cromholtz and Zwenel. That's right. And, I, I, had a, uh, I had someone just the other day go. Uh, Coach was, Long was there. <laughs> Was uh, Winnell teaching there when you were there? And I go, yeah. And he goes, she was like, I had him too as a teacher. Yeah. Like, that guy was there forever. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Pat Cavanaugh, uh, English teacher, I believe, taught my dad. He taught okay. me my junior year, I think. Um, yeah. So there were a lot, there were definitely a lot of teachers um, that uh, had, had been there for a long time. 
um, you know, and then then it's interesting. Some of the new teachers come on when I'm there, and then all of a sudden you know, I look around and they're still there, you know. And so, <laughs> but you know, that's it, that's a sign of 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 any business that that can retain people that you have yeah. a good culture. Yeah, you know, people believe in the mission statement. Uh, when they get up and go to work, is that there's a purpose, and they uh, they believe in what they're doing. They like the culture. They're getting something out of it while they're putting something into it. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether it's educational or healthcare or banking or real estate, whatever it would be. You know, if you, if you can create that culture within your organization, people are attracted to it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, we pride ourselves here at U District with our culture, and you know that's why we we've, we're 15 years old, and we got a whole bunch of people that have been here over 10 years, and uh, and uh, we we just don't have a lot of turnover. And one of that, I think, is because of the culture. Yeah, and I think that you've embodied that because of the fact that I think it was modeled for you when you were at prep type of thing. But I just, I take out as an example, when you walk in through the lobby um, to your practice here, you've got frames of pictures of all these different people that have been all around the world wearing a t-shirt, U-District t-shirt, a hat, something U-District oriented that, I mean, clearly they've bought into the culture or liked they're experienced here enough to be like, I want to take a photo because I want to be on there. I want to bring it back to you district kind of thing. I think that's a huge testament to what people see as far as you in the community. Yeah. And again, how you have taken basically your time at prep and what it meant to you. And rather than looked at it as, hey, this is an uphill battle that I want to kind of recreate myself. It, it was more so, no, I'm going to thrive under the model in which I built at my time at prep. And now that I'm right back here, let's bring those same culture, that same mission, that all of that, just bring it and yeah. kind of redirect it to be more in healthcare. Yeah. You know, the, you know, being at Gonzaga prep, being a student in high school, I, I don't really remember. You just, I, I'm, I'm trying to get through the motion. I'm playing sports, mm-hmm. I, you know, going to class, but there's just through all these subtleties that you learn, you learn about servant leadership, you learn about, doing things the right way you learn about certainly time management and and working hard and hey you're you know you're not going to be the best at this but that doesn't mean you can't be successful Uh, you learn how to fail man learning how to fail is so important Mm -hmm. Um, you know how to pick yourself up and uh, regroup and set goals and things like that and and that that is really then carried carried into my my life for sure my personal life but also uh, business and leading an organization. And, uh, we're starting a new leadership development, uh, program here. We have a new curriculum. We have, uh, we've been, this is year two of it. And a lot of it is lessons that I, I learned growing up. And, uh, maybe you don't realize that when you're in high school yeah. and, uh, but you come out and you start reading all these things and you're like, Hey, I, I had an opportunity to do that in high school. I was exposed to service to others and, and thinking that, um, you know, what I'm a part of is bigger than who I am. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's not just about me. It's about being a part of a team mm-hmm. and an organization. And, and so a lot of lessons that I continue to use today. And now with this leadership program, trying to now teach it to other people. Yeah. The last thing I probably want to ask you about, uh, cause I think you had told me you met your wife on the West side. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So she didn't grow up in Spokane, didn't really know Gonzaga prep. You guys move here. Yeah. Um, did it take a little bit for her to kind of believe, like, is that prep thing really as good as it as it sounds? Or was it the kind of from inception she kind of like, oh, no, this is, this is the real deal kind of thing? Well, the first couple of years, um, she, you know, she, I was just kind of dragging her along to things. Um, I did have, at the time, I had some cousins that were in high school. So we were going to different events and different games. And so there's family around just so mm-hmm. she can be around. But then all of a sudden she's starting to make friends with um, people in the community and she's making friends with John Stockton and all, all these people. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, she's really acclimating well. And, you know, and now, you know, 10 years plus later, now I'm kind of introduced as, Oh, that's, that's Christine's husband, Brian versus the other way. Hey, this is Brian. This is, <laughs> and, and so she's, she's kind of taken over some of that. So yeah. she's really acclimated and that's, and that's part of the, uh, the Gonzaga prep, the Gonzaga community is, is just, you know, so, you know, open and welcoming to people, uh, the St. Al's community that we that we experience. And, uh, no, so she is, she is really bought into that and mm-hmm. really, really thrived in it really. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
I know I said last thing, but this will be the final thing. Uh, being right across from GU, being a season ticket holder yourself, um, they just beat North Carolina. This was supposed to be a Gonzaga season where people said, hey, this will be a down year for GU. Now yeah. they're number two in the country. Uh, do you think this team has what it takes to make a little bit deeper run in the tournament this yeah. year, despite, you know, where they kind of have, it looks like they're battling some injuries a little bit too here yeah. and there. Yeah. Um, so kind of what do you see as far as a hot take for maybe the remainder of their season? I've just I've just been really blown away. I, I really thought going into this season that you know, you lose seventy five percent of your scoring, your top six scores, that uh, you know they're going to have a good year. But they're mm-hmm. I'm not I wasn't thinking a top twenty five year or anything like that. Uh, I, I'm just amazed at the the system that has been created there. That when you can just plug people into this system that they've created over there and this team concept. Uh, you know, last year's team, uh, phenomenal ta- talent. But all of a sudden, I'm, I think this last month, I'm watching a team that might be a better team, a basketball team. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying talent-wise, maybe, but a better basketball team. And cool it's, just, it's just so fun to watch them pick apart better teams that have more talent. And that's one of the fun things about basketball is teams that play better, pass better, shoot better. They can beat teams that have better athletes. They can beat better basketball talent. Um, and it's just fun to watch. So, you know, it's interesting. The other night they had on display the 2020 National Championship t- uh, trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is it tours around the country for big games. And I took a picture with it with my brother and my, my son. And I posted it uh, posted on Instagram. And I, I just said, yeah, this, it, could this be the year? Mm-hmm. And I think that with, you know, there doesn't appear to be a dominant couple teams in, in the country. You know, you got to have a lot of luck in the tournaments. I think in the tournament, you're going to have to hit a buzzer shot. Yeah. Or somebody's going to have to miss a buzzer shot. Mm-hmm. You know, so who knows? But they got to get healthy. Yeah. They got to figure out how to play a little bit better defense. I mean, their offensive efficiency is off the charts. A little better defense, get a little bit healthier, maybe try to get a little more depth. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think I'm seeing a team that could, could get there. Well, I look forward to kind of seeing that kind of develop uh, over the next couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for a Final Four appearance. I think that would be huge for GU, kind of have another one uh, to be able to kind of have that up on their wall kind of thing. Yeah, now, sure. uh, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been incredible. Just kind of hear your story a little bit, you know, talk about what you've built here within Spokane and how you've kind of built off of, you know, your experience at um, both GU. And then, you know, you touched on it too, that – you know, you're not, it doesn't sound like you're opposed to someone going out and kind of learning some stuff outside of Spokane and bringing that back. I think that's what helps Spokane thrive, where you're able to kind of build off of your West Side experience, bring that back to Spokane and, you know, build something that's truly successful. So thank you so much. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Hey, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, Brian Cronin, thanks again for joining us. Uh, go Pups. Go Pups. <laughs>